Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Starting is the most important thing. So buy a Peloton bike or Bike Plus today and get two months free Peloton membership. Starting made easy with thousands of classes to choose from. My name is Cody Rigsby. Welcome to your low impact ride. Taught by instructors that take the guesswork out of working out. I'm here for you every step of the way. And Peloton Entertainment, so you can watch your favorite shows and live sports as you ride. Shop our limited time offers at onepeloton.com slash deals. Terms apply. Point you made about yeah. Egypt not being quick because Egypt actually has the oldest squad. Yes. At this AFCON. They do. Yeah. They can average so that, that show, yeah, do. that show is going to create, um, you know, a lot of uh, conditioning issues for the guys, of course. So he talks about the Kivert kind of speed, and that is what you can use to neutralize Egypt if you have them. So it's time to bring in Karim. Karim, uh, come over. Um, you know... Yesterday, we were doing some calculations, yeah. you know. Uh, today, uh, some more calculations, right? Yes, some more calculations. <laughs> very well, <laughs> very well. We won seven titles mm. because they are doing some basics. Mm. And it's those basics we are coming to look at. Okay, That's so basically we've scoring. got Nigeria's record here. Yes, scoring Take the goals well. and defending well. So what I'm looking at today is the last five winners of the AFCON. Mm. How many goals have they scored? How many goals have they conceded? And in doing that, how many clean sheets? What are we um, going at? We are looking at it. If Ghana is doing the title, what are we going to do in terms of goals and scoring goals? What is required in defensive performance to win the, to win the AFCON? Mm-hmm. And we are using the last five uh, editions as a benchmark well. to arrive at that conclusion. Let's look at Nigeria's run in 2013. They won it in South Africa. They played six games, scored, um, scored 11 goals, and conceded just four. So as we are going through the numbers, you see that the goals conceded is falling off. It's falling off from 2013 to now to 2021. Now let's go to 2015, where Ivory Coast, they won the title. Mm. They, they beat Ghana in the, in the final on that marathon penalty shootout. In six games, they've scored nine goals and conceded four. That's the same as Nigeria has done in 2013 and won it. Let's move on to 2017, where Cameroon won it. Mm. In 2017, again, Ghana lost to Cameroon in the semifinals, 2-0. And in, those, in, that, in their run to the, winning the title, they've scored seven goals and considered three. You've seen that there's a drop in the number of goals considered. And that's how it's going to be like throughout going to 2021. So let's get to the beat 2019. Egypt in that final. Mm. So in 2019, um, Algeria, they won the title. And this time, it means that they've played more games Play more games means they are scoring more goals. That is 13 goals scored and considered. But they consider 12. They consider that's, two. That's an error there. Yeah. It's, oh, it's sure. supposed two. to be two. So mm. it's also dropped from three to two. Mm. And also scored the highest from 2015 up to, uh, from 2013 up to 2021. If they are winning the title, they've scored, uh, they've con- they've scored the highest and considered the least. Then we go to 2021 where Senegal beat Egypt on penalties and won it. So in 2021, Senegal, they also played that the second time we are playing with 24 teams at the AFCON. 
and in seven games they have scored nine goals and considered just two as well. So if you are looking at it, Nigeria, they considered four in 2018. Um, in 2015, Ivory Coast, they considered four. In 2017, um, Cameroon, they considered just three. And in 2019, um, Egypt, they considered two. Here uh, 2019 was Algeria. Algeria. Algeria considered two. Then 2021. Mm. Then um, Algeria. So, so, so that then goes to, to Ghana. Yeah. Now this is where the juice is. Mm. So in that run, in 20, um, 2018, Ghana finished fourth. They lost the uh, third round game to Mali, losing 3-1. In that run, they considered, they considered, I think I don't have the Ghana graphic yet. Mm. They, they considered about six goals in that. Then and they kept three clean sheets. Cameroon, they won the title, but they kept two clean sheets. So it means that Ghana's numbers during that was... The Ghana kept three clean sheets. They played the same number of mm. games. Mm. Yes, they played the same number of games because Ghana has got to play an extra game for going to the third round. Then in 2015, Ghana finished uh, second against... Um, That's your graph. Losing to, mm. um, to Ivory Coast. We kept uh, four clean sheets there. That's two more than Ivory Coast has done in 2015 and yeah. won the title. Then in 2017, we got to finish fourth again, losing the third round, uh, third round playoff again. And we kept three clean sheets in that again. In 2019, we considered as many as um, 2019 here. We considered three goals and kept in that place. We kept uh, three clean sheets as well. Then in 2020, 2019, we kept only two clean sheets, getting out of the round of 16. Mm. And in 2021, we considered as many as five goals, keeping no clean sheet in that. So it means that if we are to win the title, we are supposed to keep the, uh, the highest, as high as we can, the number of clean sheets, and concede as li little as we can, mm. and also uh, score mm. the goals to win the title. Wow. Karim, thank you so much. And uh, just going to buttress the points made earlier by Stone and Fento about having a watertight Welcome to the marketplace. Coming up this afternoon, the Social Security and National Insurance Trust in consultation with the National Pensions Regulatory Authority increases monthly pensions upwards by 15% for the year 2024. It's my honor to announce to you that we came to a rate of 15% for 2024. That's going to apply to all pensions in payment. Coming up, World Bank projects Ghana's economy to grow by 2.8% at the end of this year. Plus, National Youth Employment Authority rolls out a new module to create employment for 20,000 youth in private enterprises. The recruitment of the 20,000 will not be the end of unemployment in Ghana. But at least, my friends from the media, we would have given hope to some young man and woman. My name is Daryl Kwao. Thanks for joining us. Details coming up.
And thanks for staying with us, everyone. The, the Social Security and National Insurance Trust, NIT, in consultation with the National Pensions Regulatory Authority, has increased monthly pensions upwards by 15% for the year 2024. This is in line with the National Pensions Act. James Echen has more. Social Security and National Insurance Trust said approximately 70% of all pensioners across the country are expected to receive some 15% as an effective indexation rate. This is expected to cause the trust some 697 million Ghana cities. The long-term sustainability of the scheme. You don't want to eat all your, your eggs so that you don't have chickens you know, going forward. So we need to make sure that the scheme is protected it's in existence to be able to continue to pay pension or benefits when they fall due. So that's very, very crucial. Now, having considered all these four factors, ladies and gentlemen, it's my singular honor to announce to you that we came to a rate of 15% for 2024. That's going to apply to all pensions in payment. Now, the total indexation rate for lowest earning pensioners will be 36.37%. We project the wage inflation. And this year, the wage inflation has been projected to be 20%. That is one factor that we take into account in arriving at the indexation rate for a particular year. The number two factor is to also find the CPI, which we call the inflation. So the projection for this year, 2024 was uh, set at 23.16 and I must add quickly that uh, the statistician yesterday the, the, the government statistician yesterday announced inflation for 20 uh, ending year December 2023 to be 23.2 Now the trust said the average monthly pension payout for 2024 is projected to increase from 400 million Ghana cities to 469 million Ghana cities Because you know uh, any additional money that you pay out it's first liquidity that you have to raise, and two, uh, investments that you may have to liquidate. So anything that we do uh, has implications. The higher you go, the more stress you put on the fund. On some investments made by the trust, Director General John Oforitinkran said his outfit is working assiduously to optimize some gains. What we do then is to make sure that we are balancing all these things and making sure that what we are doing is the most prudent thing to do as far as long-term sustainability of the scheme is concerned. And also, uh, not to be completely oblivious to what people need to spend money on. And so that is why we do also the redistribution. General Secretary of the National Pensioners Association, Stephen Wash, also welcomed the indexation rate for 2024. We think it's good for us. It's good for us. Because... You know, it's not whatever you get all the time that you get. People may think that last year we had 25, so maybe 30 or so. No, but it's not like that. Ours is any time at all when you go to your bank, you get the money. The trust said it is committed to paying legitimate benefits accurately. For joint business, James Eshen. Now, Ghana's economy is projected uh, to go by 2.8% at the end of this year. That's projection from the World Bank, uh, from its economic prospect report. There's more in this report. But the World Bank could indicate that economic growth will pick up strongly from what government was hoping to achieve in 2023. 
The 2.8% being projected by the World Bank shows that, for the first time in a while, the bank's forecast is in line with what the government of Ghana is hoping to achieve for growth this year. Targets set out in the 2024 budget indicates that the end-of-year growth will be pegged at 2.8%. The report also shows that the economy will pick up strongly in 2025, with growth pegged at 4.4%. Based on the World Bank's report, there are strong indications that the economy may be on that path to strong stability, especially when it comes to growth for this year. But there are also projections that the country may end 2023 with a higher economic growth as the third quarter numbers reached 2%. The economy expanded more than initially projected could come with some benefit for the country in terms of investment picking up and the cost of living reducing substantially going forward. Economist Dr. Patrick Isuming uh, joins us on Zoom for some analysis. Good afternoon to you and Happy New Year. The World Bank's projection is similar to government's growth target of 2.8% announced in the 2024 budget. Your take on this projection and how significant it is in our quest for economic recovery? Uh, good afternoon, Daryl, and uh, Happy New Year to you too. Good afternoon to viewers. I think um, it's essentially the new projection is bringing uh, the bank's projection to what others are seeing. I think recent times the bank have usually been very conservative in their projection about the growth rate. And I think this time is probably beginning to see that, his, I mean, consistently it has. Uh, under projected Ghana's growth. So it, it just tells you that it's now what what this rate is aligning with what others are projecting that the economy will grow. I think even that is a little still, um, it's, it's a little conservative. You expect that in a year like this, coming from the weakness that we've seen, we'll probably see a stronger growth than the 28 well, I guess uh, is the government being moderate, the IMF or the World Bank being moderate as well. But, I mean, which sectors should the government focus on to grow the economy? The agri sector recorded the highest growth in the third quarter of last year, but generally it is the services sector leading growth. What should the government do differently? I think that the government needs to, I mean, take a, a step back and take a longer-term approach to growing the economy. I think... We really shouldn't be focusing on uh, marginal gains from some policy measures. We have to have a longer-term strategy mm. for transforming the economy. I think it's good that Agric is doing well, but there's, there's, there's a lot more that could be done. And then also strengthening the, link, the linkages of the real sector, especially with the, the mining sector, the small-scale mining and the oil sector. I think there's a lot of room, there are a lot of things government can do to leverage uh, growth in the agri sector, but also the recent boom in the mining. I think at the moment, the mineral economy still sits as an enclave. We are not doing enough processing of some of the minerals. We are not doing enough uh, value addition within the country. So if we do all of that, we, we begin to see some more robust growth. Yeah, and industry has been disappointing over the last year, and, and that should be a matter of concern if we really want to grow the economy. It's very concerning. I think when the, when the first quarter growth 
was released. And it looks way higher than uh, projected. It really masks some fundamental problems in the economy. Because when you look at the desegregation by uh, the, uh, the four primary economic agents, household consumption, business investment, government expenditures, and net export. You saw that the business investment was negative. So you, you, begin, you begin to see that going forward, this was going to hurt the economy. So it was no surprise that when the third quarter number came out, we begin to see that the growth was slowing down. So in the second quarter, it slowed down some from the first, marginally from the first quarter, and then we saw a much more substantial slowdown. So I think that it, it is worrying but not surprising. I think mm. if you look at the measures that the government have undertaken in the IMF program, you begin to see why manufacturing and construction have been severely hit. And those are the sectors that have seen, uh, those have been the weakest sectors in the year so far. Well, I guess one of the reasons we are seeing this moderate forecast is because global growth is set to uh, slow further this year amid uh, tight monetary policy, restrictive financial conditions, and uh, feeble global trade and investment. Now, according to the World Bank, the downside risks include the escalation of the recent conflict in the Middle East, financial stress, and persistent inflation, amongst others. But domestically, what are the risks to growth we need to be cautious about? I mean, ESA, for instance, has pointed to the elections. So I think generally the risks from the elections probably come from the uncertainty about what the outcomes might be and uh, sometimes businesses befolding their investment decisions to see what happens forward. So, so there's that uncertainty. But don't forget that the election itself generates a lot of economic activity. Mm. There's, there's usually a lot of spending from government that filters into some sectors of the economy. So but we, we have to be mindful. That's exactly what we also have to be mindful of, that we've paid a heavy price to get the marginal stability we've seen in the latter half of the year. We don't want to spend one year because of the election, completely reversing all of that gain. And I think there's, there's, the concern is still there, regardless that we are in an IMF program that you know the government will still you know, overspend and uh, throw away the discipline and then we spend another three years trying to fix the mess we create in one year. So I think that, that, is, a, that is a big risk. Mm. And then the other thing is, you know, the energy sector continues to be a big risk. I think we've started the year on the back of seeing some indications that there are the, problem, the persistent problems in the energy sector are beginning to get worse. So I think if you don't address that, and then what we are seeing become a full-blown energy crisis, then there's going to be real trouble. But I think that the risk is real. I mean, starting from the end of last year, we began to see some difficulties government were having with the IPPs. And then, you know, the start of the year, we've seen that the power, the energy supply, the power has become a problem. So if we don't address that, then... You know, you're really going to put the group projection on, at, a, at a significant risk. I, I want us to switch top, topics and talk about inflation. Um, as anticipated, we saw a decline in December 2023 to uh, 23.2%, lower than government's target of 31.3% for end-year inflation. The business community is already asking that the central bank considers reducing the policy rate in line with the decline in inflation. I want to take your thoughts on that. First, though, let's take a listen to... 
uh, Chief Executive of the uh, National Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Mark Bidouawaje. The only reason why the central bank uh, should keep the policy rate at 30%. One of the, the main reasons they gave for increasing the policy rate was to tame inflation and bring inflation down. So consistently, they've been telling us that consistently they've been increasing inflation. Even when at the point where inflation was uh, trending downwards, they were still increasing the, the, the policy rate. Now we've gotten to a level where from the beginning of the year to now, we've seen a 30.4 reduction in, 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 in inflation. So there is no justification for a central bank to keep the policy rate at 30%. Recent data indicate. So that was uh, Mark Bidouabaji speaking with my colleague Pius Kojibaka on Business Life. Do you agree, uh, Doc? Is that the logical conclusion we should expect? It's too early for the central bank to start reducing the policy rate. I don't think we're anywhere near that. Yes, the, the inflation has dropped substantially. And in the last uh, five or so readings, we've seen a steady disinflation. Mm. You have to understand that 23.2% is still way higher than the, our maximum, the upper band of our medium-term target, the 6 to 10%. 23% is still more than twice that upper band. And, you, you know, if you're a central banker, you don't really want to be uh, trigger-happy and then quickly responding to things. You have to wait and observe a steady trend. So I don't think... We are at a point where we should even be contemplating reducing the policy rate. I think the policy rate is going to remain high for a while until we've really come within the target band. And then the central bank gets a little convinced that there might not be any issues coming from the fiscal side. So uh, I don't think the policy rate is going to come down in, in this January or the next one. I, I don't think we should be expecting rates cuts anytime soon. Well, the business community would not be happy to hear this, but uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Patrick Assuming. Um, economists, appreciate your time with us. Appreciate your insights. Thank you. Well, let's turn to other news for you. Uh, the National Youth Employment Authority has rolled out a new module to create employment for 20,000 youth in private enterprises. The Business and Employment Assistance Program is designed to provide salary support for 500 uh, cities per employee recruited by small-scale enterprises, will be expected to provide a top-up. Chief Executive Officer Kofi Ajipong explains the beneficiaries will only be paid after the authorities' monitoring system certifies the beneficiaries are engaged. Nanai Aljima was at a press conference in Kumasi and filed this report. According to research by the National Youth Employment Authority, small and medium-scale enterprises are unable to employ enough staff due to the inability to meet statutory requirements, among other issues. To support these companies, the authority is targeting an average of two staff each dispatched to 10,000 companies who have signed up for the program from February this year. Kofi Ejapon explained further beginning february 2024 that's this this year we'll be onboarding these 20,000 employees as beneficiaries of the youth employment employment agency who will be paid every month as long as our monitoring and evaluation team satisfies that they have worked of the 20,000 will not be the end of unemployment in Ghana. But at least 
my friends from the media, we would have given hope to some young man and woman and to reduce the growing unemployment rate. According to Mr. Japan, financing for the project is being released by the finance ministry. Even before the dispatch of the first batch of beneficiaries, it is envisaged that the program will be oversubscribed. He explains measures adopted to ensure the program is sustained. YEA has a stable source of funding from the communication service tax, or, to what, or what we normally call, or usually call, the top tax. As we sit here in this room, the taxes from the calls you make and the data you use all come to the YEA to fund the operations of the agents. We have management board with the support of our mother ministry put together a deliberate policy to direct the use of these funds solely to the creation of jobs. Meanwhile, the YEA has assured of its willingness to fulfill its mandate of reducing unemployment among the youth. For Joy News, Nalaya Ojima reporting. the marketplace time for the joy business advisory series uh, in the last couple of days we've been tackling financial planning and creating a budget is one of the things that came up uh, in uh, our discussions on planning your finances for 2024 well today we're going to discuss effective budgeting from the individual perspective in a tight economy happy to welcome dennis brown senior manager financial advisory at uh, deloitte ghana uh, thank you so much for uh, coming to us, it's been a year, right? I mean, the last time we spoke in studio was a year, but I remember that we spoke on Zoom. So let's start with a definition of what a budget is and why it is crucial for financial planning from an individual perspective. Okay. I mean, in this, in this simplest form, a budget can be defined as a piece of financial document that estimates one's income and expenses or expected income and expenses. Mm. That is in its simplest form. This is what uh, is typically applicable to individuals, but in a more sophisticated manner, the budget can also be used to estimate one's assets, liabilities, net worth, and cash flows. You know, so you can create a budget that is that sophisticated if you know you are pursuing a, a particular kind of goal. So, walk us through the key steps for drawing up a budget. Okay. All right. So, uh, one of the uh, mistakes individuals make when they are drawing up a budget is not to take stock of their financial situation and personal economy. And all they do is just look forward and say, well, I want to achieve this financial goal this year. And so I'm setting out a budget to uh, take me there. Uh, normally, such things become just wishful thinking. What you want to do is to assess and take stock of your financial situation. What are your assets? What are your liabilities? What are your mandatory expenses, if you have any of them? 
what are your income sources and the, and the amount of income that you're able to generate from those. Once you understand you know, finance, your financial situation, which you can also say is your personal economy, you're in a very good position to you know, target properly what you want to achieve with the budget. So that's the first thing you'd want to do. The other thing, or the next thing, would be to uh, look at the general macroeconomy. You operate within an economy. It's not everything that you can control. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things that you spend money on that you simply cannot control. Prices will go up and you can't do anything about it. So it's important that you look at the macroeconomy and see what's going on, understand and appreciate uh, what is happening in the macroeconomy and factor that into your budget so that when you are projecting uh, for particular expense items, what you are likely to spend on, you'll be able to do so properly. You, know. um, you may want to also uh, go uh, move further deeper from the macroeconomy and if, you, if there's information available to relate what is happening to the market to you. For instance, there's head- headline inflation may be expected to be about 15% in the coming year, but you may be in a situation where you spend about 70% of your income on food. Food inflation is not exactly 15%. So if you are going to persist in that situation, you'd want to move further down from the headline inflation to look at Ghana Statistical Service, you know, data on what food inflation is so that you can properly, you know, target. At the, at the end of the day, you want to end up with a budget that is achievable, that is realistic. And that's why you are... You are I was going to come that. to um, a, a realistic budget and what the consideration should be in drawing up a realistic budget. Yeah, and so uh, some of it I've already stated because if you don't start off from what your current financial situation is, and indeed, any, any other known facts that may play out in the near future. I'll give you an example. So your current financial situation, you may know it. Now you want to budget, but your wife may be pregnant now, and you're expecting a new addition to the family in the next five months. You would have to take account of that. The baby has not arrived yet, but you would have to take account of that because you are planning for a set time period. So being able to assess your current financial situation, what may play out, facts that you know may play out in the coming you know, 12 months, is very good. It puts you in a position to properly target. Again, understanding the macroeconomic environment is key, as I've indicated. You can't just, you know, uh, project things based on what you wish it will be. You have to project based on what the market is telling you is likely to happen. And all of that goes to, you know, ensure that the budget that you end up with it's, it's a realistic one. doesn't matter what you end at the end of the month, because people have uh, the excuse that, well, I don't end much, so I, I don't need to create but a budget. I, I think it's even more critical if you don't end much to cultivate the habit of budgeting, because if you don't end much, uh, you'd want to... Oh, I end too much, so I don't need to... <laughs> <laughs> if you end too much, too, and you don't do it, you're likely to end up being very wasteful. Even the Dangotees and the Magdans, they tell you they do their budgeting, and that's why they are where they are now, because they try to encourage judicious use of resources. That's one thing that a budget does. So if you don't earn much, you'd want to ensure you cultivate the habit of drawing up a budget and committing to the budget. It's a difficult thing to commit to a budget, but you know you would have to scale that to be able to you know uh, uh, get by and, and make a good use of your resources. So what next after drawing up the budget? After drawing up the budget, it's important you don't leave it somewhere in your cupboard for you to collect that <laughs> if it's a hard copy budget. But typically these days we don't have that. You might have some Excel documents where you documented things. You need to regularly revisit it. What you want to do is now track your actual you know, spending and what is actually coming in terms of your earnings as against what you budgeted for and see at regular intervals how you're doing. You may want to do it monthly you know, as an individual because you don't want, you're not going to take monitoring budget as, as, a, as a whole career profession or so nobody's paying you. But at least once a month, you may want to monitor how you're performing when you take your actual expenses and 
actual earnings as against the budget and see whether there are some adjustments to make. Let me throw in a tip here. It's very important to note, particularly for individuals, flexible budgets are more effective compared to static budgets. Static budgets are the ones that you uh, put there and say, I'm not going to touch it till end of year and then I'll check. But, you know, at various times of the year, things may be happening in the market that you just didn't have control or didn't know of from the beginning of the year, which is when you would have calibrated your budget. So you could be saying that, well, I expect inflation to be 20%. Then two months down the line, something happens, inflation is around 50%. You should be able to go back to your budget and recalibrate them. Other than that, you know, your budget in the middle of the way is already off and you're still trying to, you know, achieve something that is not achievable. Mm. So it's important to ensure that your budgets are flexible. You can revisit them based on the times that you are in and adjust and you can only do that by regularly monitoring your budget. We just have about 45 seconds. Um, you earlier talked about committing to a budget. I want you to share some tips on that. And what are some of the mistakes we make uh, that affect our ability to stick to our budget? Okay, when our budget is not realistic, when it's all, it's all born down to our desire to drive a Benz at the end of the year, <laughs> and so we are just going for it. I'm earning 100000 a year. It will take me maybe 500000 to buy a bed, and so I'm just projecting. That's the biggest mistake. No, it has to be something that is realistic. Tips for committing to your budget. The first thing I would say is, you know, find like-minded persons that you can, uh, you know, go along on that journey with. You can share tips with. Sometimes ideas can come from anywhere. You may be paying so much for entertainment. Meanwhile, mm. there could be other, you know, alternatives for, okay. uh, you know, uh, 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 getting cheaper. The same, the same. And also, always remind yourself of okay. the bigger picture. The book, All right. Uh, as you get along. Uh, we'll we'll be ready. having you back uh, tomorrow, I think. Uh, Dennis yeah. Baum, Senior Manager at um, Advisory Services. Financial Advisory. Financial Advisory Services. I appreciate your time. And that's the marketplace. More news on our website, myjournaline.com forward slash business. More on SNIT increasing monthly pension payment by 15% over the myjournaline.com forward slash business. My name is Daryl Powell. Thanks for watching. another exciting time on outlook yes this is outlook season three if you miss out the first one this is episode two girl welcome to season three of outlook we're live on your favorite joy news channel also on dstv channel 421 and go tv channel 144 let the excitement begin my name is Najeli Dukun. i'm always excited to bring you the very best in lifestyle kick back get your popcorn because i'm about to take you on the world of fashion look at how beautiful i look today yes it's all about fashion today get a chance to speak to one of Ghana's biggest designers. Well, yeah, he is. 
He's been doing this for over 20-something years. Ellie Kane Casa of Ellie Kane Designs. And also, I spoke to Ruth Murray. And we're looking at fashion in a different sense. Are you ready? Ooh, you are? Join me then. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.